0: Else.
1: Fast Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market Site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Biderman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, the tech rally is rolling on as the Nasdaq leads the Dow and S&P 500 in gains for the year. But if you miss the run, the Charmaster says there is one stock that can help you play catch-up. Plus, Lyft unveiling its plan for its public debut this month. And it could have major implications for the broader markets, we will explain. But first, we start kicking off March in the green. It has been the best start to the year for the market in nearly 30 years. The Nasdaq locking in a record-breaking 10-week winning streak. And the S&P finally breaking above and closing above that key 2,800 level. So with spring just around the corner, is an even bigger rally blooming? And what will take this market the next leg higher? Tim Seymour. Is that
2: why we're getting Vivaldi here? Four seasons. Nice. Kind of nice. What can I tell you? Well. So, look, what does the market need to get us into spring? I think we can't see rates, which today got, went from essentially the low end of the range. We're now above 275 in the 10 year. That actually worries me a little bit. And, and when we got some comments by Dudley this morning that actually uh, something about the dog that doesn't bite in terms of inflation, and but that the Fed could start to hike in the second half of the year, that's what worries me. If we stay range bound in range between 275 and three or somewhere between 260 and don't get too low I think the market likes that I think we've reset earnings expectations I think the rest of the world for the short run has seen a bottom in terms of their growth and I think we actually have a bit of a a, you know of a perception change for the market
1: I mean if if expectations are set so low at this point when it comes to earnings but also growth expectations around the world China and Europe here guy yeah but this is the point that Dan Nathan who's now on
3: my right will be on options action in a few minutes made a few months ago when the S&P was trading down to 2400 give or take and he said you know, this is the opportunity now. The market's rallied 18%, so maybe the expectations that are also low have now somewhat been priced in. I, again, I understand what Tim is saying. The fact that the S&P stays at 2,800 leads me to believe maybe there's another leg higher. I think this is where we roll over from, and maybe earnings in the back half of the year will disappoint again, and maybe the Fed will be in play. And, oh, by the way, maybe P- President Trump won't get this much-anticipated deal with China done.
0: Yeah, to me, it's all about the China deal at this point. I mean, I really do think the Fed is really sidelined for a while. So the the China deal is a lot priced in already, though. I mean, we've been sort of chugging higher on the trade progress, which I hope there is some because we hear a lot about it, but I don't know if there actually is any. So I feel like with the VIX here, I mean, today, you know, the VIX came in a lot. I like what I own. If there isn't a China deal, I am absolutely going to lose money on what I own. But I think you've got to have protection here because it is, it, you know, Grasso was talking about we get a China deal and it sells off on the buy, rumor, sell the yeah. news kind of thing. That could happen because we've seen quite a move pre-deal.
4: Yeah, so one thing that's pretty clear, though, since we had really the start of 2018, that the volatility regime has changed d- d- despite the fact that you have a VIX at 13 or whatever. I mean, when we have a couple month period like we've just had right now or we had this in 2018 in the spring into the summer where vol gets crushed right and we have these slow kind of floating up higher sooner or later we have these sorts of things that come out of nowhere and then we have big flushes and that's been something that's been I think characteristic of the market for 18 months now so here's the risk the way I see it is like okay so fine you know 2600 on the upside that was a big level 2700 that was a big level 2800 here we are right now that 21 930 that's a really big level I mean that that one is so so what's the thing that propels us from 2350 Above 2930. I mean, to me, I just don't see how that happens.
2: I think, look, I think it's a challenge to to, to set new highs here. But I I think if I look both the technical levels and I look at the fundamentals of the market and the fundamentals of the economy, for that matter, is it's very difficult for me to see a test of 2350 unless we get some kind of a policy error. And I think that's actually where most of the market expected we were going to go. So um, I I think, look, at 2800, you're all probably right. We've had a very big run. I'm not telling you that it's it's straight to the moon. I'm telling you that I don't think this market is going to reset significantly lower. I think the market can go sideways here. I think we now actually probably need to get that first quarter earnings cycle in, and I know we're still a few weeks away from that. But the good news here is that if we stay range-bound on rates, what else are you going to do? I mean, seriously, look look at how equities have responded in lower earnings growth environments over the last four years, and that's been an environment largely for equities to drift higher. Is this
1: a Tina market? Oh, don't. I, I mean, are don't. we are we to the point where we bring she, her she back? Did. We bring her back? Well, Tim, you actually brought her back Tina's, into the Tina's conversation. Tina's very attractive at you times. You said, what else are we going to do? At a 265, 275,
3: 10-year, no Tina all day long. In your opinion, who's the greatest Tina of all time? I have an idea Turner, in my head. Tina Louise. Tina Louise. I, oh, 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 a I thought, no you, question. thought somebody was going to say Turner. Ginger. Tina Turner. Yeah. Oh.
0: Simply the best. Tina Turner.
3: Nice job. See, that's Jason done. in our back in EC doing an amazing job with yes, that. Nice that done. should be the song we play if somebody ever wins one of the power pitch polls.
1: We'll put that up to Twitter once again. Okay.
3: With that said, are the there markets. stocks you can buy in an environment where me personally doesn't think the market can go higher? And I'll say continued yes. For example, and we've talked about this. Big cap integrated oils. Look at what Exxon did. First time it's above 80 in quite some time. Think there's room there. Eli Lilly continues to move the upside, as does some of the rest of big cap pharma. So despite my sort of reluctance to believe this rally, I do think those areas continue to go higher.
4: You know, we talked about this, and we've seen some growth tech act really well, not the mega cap ones. We've seen a lot of those cloud stocks act very, very mega. well. I thought the, he well, said that, well, too. Well, the Amazon, <laughs> Microsoft mega trades very well, and it's obviously Apple, Google, Amazon do not the trade Aga. particularly well, the AGA. Um, but I will tell you that that old tech right now trades really well. If you look at Cisco, you look at Oracle. Um, obviously, we just mentioned Microsoft. It's going to be making a new time, uh, new high very soon. So those that have uh, you know good balance sheets that would benefit from a kind of reflation in global growth um, and are priced pretty cheaply, they seem to be uh, on the way to breaking out. The other ones, though, they can't catch a bid. And I just mentioned this. I know I sound like a broken record. Which other way? JP Morgan doing? was trading near 106 today in the morning on the opening, and it closed you know a, a, a percent below that. It just trades really badly the banks need to start to participate if you're going to get
2: back to how far 2,900. Is, how far is J.P. Morgan off of its all-time highs and, and still with record but it profitability? Just can't you way. act I mean, like it's like they're going out of business. I mean, well, I, I, but, but, I Tim, If you're time. telling
4: me that we have expectations low, there's valuation support in some of these groups, that, that the, the globe is coming back online, that Europe is just, the sentiment's way too bad. We're already seeing EM start to move. Wouldn't that be a great environment for banks, especially when we have a very stable sort of rate situation? We do have the 2.10 spread at like 20 bips. It's yeah. probably the widest. It's been in a while. It seems like a good spot, and then we're going to talk about all this m and activity, or excuse me, okay, so IPO
2: activity. Shouldn't this be great for the investment banks? Well, I don't know if it should be great um, because, in fact, it's the exact same environment we've had for the last couple of years, and banks have been kind of sideways. But banks aren't falling apart. Uh, and I look at the environment where uh, banks are trading on a, on a PE multiple or a price-to-book multiple that's basically near a trough. Uh, and and that's—I don't know—are we going through a secular change? I thought we priced in banks having had peak earnings before the crisis five years ago. Um, and yet we see actually some of these banks have really cleaned up their balance sheets and, and, and become efficient players in their respective sectors. So, I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with J.P. Morgan here. I own it.
0: I agree. I just want to yell at Dan also, because it's just yeah. something I like to do about banks. Yeah. You're talking about valuations. You're looking at J.P. Morgan at what, 11 and a half times earnings, right? Their return their return on uh, coming at 17%, right? So they're making a lot of money. And I understand the market hasn't really cared but I think that if you at this price, the risk reward is so compelling to me for J.P. Morgan, you don't need a, an explosion in uh, you know the economy. The economy is doing fine. Their loan growth is fine. I think you know they talked about trading revenue being down for January. That's a, that's such a a little blip, and yet it seems to be weighing on it. I'm happy to own J.P. Morgan. I think. You're going to make money from here. Yeah, but my point's a little different,
4: okay? So the things that got us here, the things that made new highs before the market has made a new high are cloud stocks that are trading at 80 times earnings. We have a Boeing that's literally gone 140 points, right. parabolic, trading at 25 times. You know, it's stuff that doesn't have particularly valuation support. So you would like to see at some point broadening out to this value stuff that we did mention old tech, and that's kind of working. But what's wrong with the aga? What's wrong with those horses that got us to the highs in early 2018? But
0: isn't it all right that we have other things taking us to high? Yeah, but, Why do, it- but the
4: stuff that's gotten us here right now, they're not going to help a whole heck of a lot from here on out. Carter Braxton, tells right, us that all I- the time. So okay. if we do not have a rotation into some of this mega cap stuff, we're not getting above 2930 in 2019. It's not going to happen unless we have them start to participate.
2: Well, I don't know that we won't get some of that participation, by the way. And it may be the wrong time to start talking about an apple, but when we talk about mega cap tech, Mega cap tech and expectations that have been reset. I mean, no one has any expectation that some I, of these big I, boys I, could. And move. I agree. So,
4: I would just like to see them trading better. The same thing with your J.P. Morgan on a day like today. That's all I'm saying.
3: All right. Quickly, here's a bank that I would watch if you want to sort of something that could augur poorly going forward. Citibank, which has rallied significantly off the lows that we saw December 24th, is now at levels that it sort of went down from in the middle of November. Citi does not trade particularly well. Last couple of weeks notwithstanding. Talk about valuation, that's been the reason to own it. But again, the stock hasn't traded well. If Citi rolls over here, which I happen to think it will, wonder if that takes the rest of the banks with it. And in fact, does that take the rest of the market with it? Something to watch. Hmm.
1: Coming up, Lyft in full gear unveiling its plan to go public later this month, and its biggest advantage could be its early start. We've got the details. Plus, Tesla shares in turmoil skidding back into a bear market as a company and one trader thinks the selling is about to get even worse. He will explain how he is playing this wild ride. And later, Martha Stewart, Snoop Dogg, and pot. Is it a good thing? The Bud Buddies are working on a new line of CBD-based consumer products for canopy growth. What does this mean for the cannabis craze? A top analyst will tell us. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money ride-sharing app Lyft filing for its long-awaited IPO today. It is expected to be one of the first tech unicorns in a packed class of 2019 public offerings, which could give the future stock a jump
5: start. Let's get to Leslie Picker back at headquarters with the details. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Melissa. For Lyft, being first, well, at least before Uber, may be best. There can be a significant first-mover advantage when it comes to IPOs of similar businesses. For one, Lyft will be the first one to tell its story. It will be the company that sells the market on how a ride-sharing business should be valued, and its post-IPO performance could help support or alter or deter the plans of other IPOs coming down the pike. There are several recent examples of this. Years ago, Box and Dropbox were both quietly preparing their respective offerings. Box went public first. The stock soared on day one, going from 14 to 23 a share. But a year later, the stock traded around $10, and it was another three years before Dropbox was able to debut. Another example is Fitbit and Jawbone. Each company had a multi-billion dollar valuation in 2014, but Fitbit went public first, we all know how this ends. A few years later, Jawbone liquidated. Now, it's worth noting that just like Lyft, both Box and Fitbit were the smaller company. They were the had smaller private valuations than Dropbox and Jawbone before their IPOs. That said, Uber has already confidentially filed its S1. The company is going public, but it's hard to ignore the impact that Lyft's deal could have on its larger rival. If Lyft's shares plummet after the IPO, some investors may not be willing to try their luck on another ride-sharing IPO, despite the differences between the two businesses. Now, if it does well, that could cause investors to pull money from Lyft, reallocate toward Uber, which could cause Lyft's shares to decline, Melissa. All right, Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker at
1: headquarters. Uh, Leslie had mentioned the differences between the two businesses. One, big difference is the operational geography of the two businesses. Lyft is primarily U.S. and Canada. Uh, Uber has 70 countries around the world. And also the businesses, Lyft is much more pure play. Uber's got Uber Eats and Freight and all sorts of other things. Yeah,
4: I think if you look at that slate that you just showed up there of all these expected IPOs this year, this is a really good one to come first. It's going to get investors kind of Focused on a company that has obviously been transformative, uh, but is, like you said, a pure play on the U.S. ride hailing market right here. Who knows about valuation? But a lot of the data in that S1 today looked pretty good. They've made some pretty good improvements over the last year, and now they're butting up against 40% market share here in the U.S. So I think it's going to be a really popular hedge fund trade, long lift, short Uber, when Uber finally gets out as some sort of collapse of the spread between the two.
0: Is that on a valuation thing, or Uber is sort of seen as the, you know, the evil empire? As, as, as the
4: far off number two, taking market share in the U.S., it's very focused on the ride-hailing market as a pure play, and we'll know in six, seven months or so.
2: I, I think the size of the shares or the size of the money they're raising, essentially, they're raising $100 million. This is not a lot of money, um, relative but that's to where not I think what they're going to raise. Right? Well, I mean, what I'm seeing here is that they're yeah, going to start they out they with just that. File that and. Okay, so so in terms of size, though, I do think coming first, and this will be, I believe, a significantly smaller deal than Uber, and that's very bullish. Ultimately, there's still a scarcity effect. It still is that. Pure play, Um, I I think it's going to set a proper tone. And I think people have been waiting so long for these deals, nobody's rushed into this, neither one of these companies. There's an argument that Lyft is bleeding money and they've lost you know, one and a half times more than they did last year. Those are the numbers. Uh, They also doubled revenue. So um, these are growth companies at a time people have been paying up for these deals. We've been talking about essentially that second wave of of growth.coms that have come through in the last 15 months as being the ones that have outperformed everything else in the market over the last year. And I would expect you're going to see the same thing.
1: So even the growth area, you even if the growth areas like the Fang stocks are not performing well relative to the broader markets and it's a value trade that's more in favor right now, these particular growth stocks should do well?
3: well- I'm not certain. I'm, I don't know how to answer that question, but I will tell you is if the IPO market is opening up with Lyft, with Uber, with some of these companies, where were the first place I would go? I'd go back to the exchanges. Now, the Nasdaq has traded from 95 down to 80, bounced back to 91 now. They report, I think, in the middle of April, 16 and a half times forward earnings. I'd rather be in, a, in a, Understanding I have no idea where these are going to list. I'd rather be in an exchange right now. And by the way. Mm. You know, I, I was a Lyft driver. That's right. That is right. And what I read in the prospectus is uh-huh. apparently oh, these is. Lyft yeah. people are giving stock to drivers. So
1: what are you gonna that's do? That's
3: documented.
1: Uh, you can take stock or I believe cash. I'll take no I'll take stock. Nice hat.
3: Dude. You like yeah. the gloves?
2: The is gloves. That, is that uniform? Is that like you no, know, is that my company uniform. issue?
3: When, no, it's not company it's, issue. It's I issue. I thought I wanted <laughs> to look good. It's swizzle issue. Are those blue blockers? Pardon anyway. me. Anyway.
2: For more
1: on the Lyft IPO, head on over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Welcome back to Fast Money. Martha Stewart and rapper Snoop Dogg have been BFFs for years in what you might think was an unlikely friendship. And now the two have grown even closer. They've become, in fact, bud buddies. The lifestyle guru entering a partnership with Canopy Growth to help the company develop a new line of CBD-based animal health products, all thanks to connections from her longtime pal, Snoop D-O-G-G. Check out wow, shares of canopy growth. Now, if 75% this year as a whole group of pot stocks have caught fire, our next guest says these are all signs that the CBD boom could become an 18, a $16, excuse me, $16 billion industry. Vivian Azar is Cowan's senior research analyst who covers beverages, tobacco, and cannabis. Vivian, great to have you with us. How do you come up with $16 billion when there's so much regulatory uncertainty surrounding the CBD space in particular? I mean, the FDA head, Scott Gottlieb just this week said it could take a couple years for the regulations to pan out. He had mentioned things like higher concentrations of CBD should go to pharma, where lowest, lower concentrations should go to food and supplements.
6: So the current regulatory landscape and FDA enforcement has really only been focused on companies that make really aggressive claims that are really, you know, more appropriate for a true pharmaceutical product. And so those are the products that are getting pulled off the market. But for the operators that are... Uh, treading more cautiously, this makes you calm, this helps with sleep, and they call it hemp, not CBD. Those have been commercially viable. And the current market in 2018 is estimated to have done between 600 million and 2 billion. And we think it was probably at the higher end of that range because when we did the sizing analysis, we took two approaches. We did a top-down analysis and a bottoms-up. On the top-down, we were surprised to see that 7% of consumers in the U.S. today already consume CBD. A lot. Already, already admit wow. to it. In our proprietary survey, yeah, we survey 2,500 consumers every month. So, in terms of
1: where the opportunity is for Martha Stewart in a canopy or, or any other Tilray, along with authentic brands, I mean, there are a number of companies who have sort of partnership with brand creating companies. How do they go about tackling this big percentage of Americans who already are consuming in some way? So um, you can go asset-heavy or asset-light.
6: And so Canopy True to Form is going to go a little asset-heavy. They've already announced they're going to invest $100 to $150 million in CBD extraction and production in New York. They've said they'd spend as much as $500 million in the U.S. Tilray, of course, going asset-light. They're just going to do the extraction with a partnership with Authentic Brands.
2: Vivian. Um, congrats to you and to Callan for being way out in front of this trade. And, and so when you see this, it almost seems to me that CBD has jumped, ahead of, have, has jumped ahead of cannabis on some level to give all the big players who are deep into cannabis this opportunity to build out infrastructure right now in a legal framework so that they're ready with brands, they're ready with distribution. What's the most exciting part of this?
6: Yeah, so I think it continues to lend legitimacy to the cannabis plant as a family, continues to destigmatize it for consumers, and really offers a new solution
1: for consumers that they haven't really seen in the marketplace before. Amazing. So does this help with, um, I mean, Tim had mentioned sort of the infrastructure, et cetera, but in terms of the banking, money is sort of fungible. So does this help with the banking aspect, you know, before the passage of the SAFE or the States Act? on the THC side of the business? No, I don't think so. Uh, We really
6: need Congress to act, Um, and we do think that there's a pretty good chance that the SAFE Act passes in 2019. It's a $10 billion cash industry, um, which really um, creates problems around money
1: laundering and criminal activity. All right, Uh, top pick quickly, Vivian. Canopy growth. Canopy, all right. Great to see you as always, Vivian Azer of Cowen. do you want
4: to? I think you stick. I mean, listen, you know, the, the, the regulation here in the U.S., that's the really hardest part about this thing. And so, like, the canopy seems like a really interesting situation here. Um, but, like, these stocks have run. And I know that you You, Congratulations you, Tim. You were on this story early. But I think you're much
2: more cautious about them right now, especially after this very short-dated run. It's Look, it's hard to get excited after a 75% run. Valuations don't make a lot of sense. But when you look at a canopy or you look at an acreage or a cure leaf, um, guys that are multi-state operators, harvest, these are these are guys that are positioned, and they're positioned so that they they can take advantage of hemp that is legal, even when the FDA finally gets around to, be, you know, telling us what products and how they can function. Um, you have to find a way to get around the valuations. I think the guys that own assets and own a global footprint—they're developing brands, uh-huh. and they're developing those now that I, I think will be part of this valuation story.
1: What, what is the biggest obstacle right now for institutions to, to get into some of these multi-state operators? I mean, I've heard the argument that multi-state operators in the U.S. are the bigger opportunity than the guys in, in Canada at this point in terms
2: of valuations. I think that's right. And in fact, while you know, Vivian talked about how quickly this, the, the hemp CBD market is growing, the potential size of this, what we're also seeing is this is allowing institutional players, especially in the private equity market, are going big into these deals. And I think, you know, we've always talked about this with new asset classes. What are the institutions coming? They're coming and they can own the MSOs right now in most cases, especially ones that are listed on NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange. And they should because this is a diversified play.
1: It is time now for the final trade on this Friday. Tim Seymour.
2: Well, we talked about global cyclicality. I still think that FedEx finds itself in a nice spot here after a nice pullback. I like this valuation, FedEx.
1: Karen, I have a very, very similar
0: trade. Everything that he said, I agree with. <laughs> so uh, UPS, valuation play as well.
4: Yeah. Hey, big shout out to a big fan of the show, my dad. Happy birthday oh, today.
3: Oh, nice.
4: Hey. Yeah, and then stick uh-huh. around. Uh, OA, we're going to say defined risk, long trade,
3: Western Digital. Gee, now- you
1: know,
3: apparently... Martha Stewart and the Snoop Dogg person, they watch this show. <laughs> Probably watching right, right Big now. Big fans, I hear. So you should tell. me. mean, are invited. They have an open invite. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, final, yeah, trade. final trade. No, this is like the your game. last
1: final trade in a long time. I'm not going to be
3: here for a while, people, so get used to it. But the NASDAQ going higher from here. All
1: right. That does for us <laughs> here on Fast Money. See you back here Monday at 5 for more Fast Do Not Move. Options action starts right after this.